Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Arise Baptist Church. We're so glad that you're here today, and uh, I'm thankful to see some wonderful friends today that have come to join us. Good to see Ron and Cindy today. Thank you for being here today. Many of you remember them from, uh, I guess it's been a year now, so glad to have them back visiting with us today. And of course, it's always wonderful to have my good friends, Brother and Mrs. Clayton here today. Thank you for coming down, and we're looking forward to hearing from God's Word as you preach to us here after a little bit. And uh, he's been such a blessing to me. They both have in my life for Shandy and I and for our children. And uh, so thankful to have had the years to serve under his ministry. And you're going to get to be blessed by his ministry a little bit this morning as well. And I hope that you'll plan to stay around for lunch after this. I know that the tacos are being prepared and all the food is going to be good. Hopefully, Brother Clayton, we can keep the smell out there so fo folks can focus in here this morning. And uh, But either way, we know that it will be good, and we'll enjoy that time together. And then after lunch, we'll come right back in here for an afternoon service today and enjoy some more time together around God's Word as we sing praises to Him, as we hear His Word preached. And we're just looking forward to that. In fact, I don't know that we'll be able to get it all in good today, so we're just going to come back again tomorrow night and hear you again, Brother Clayton. And 7 o'clock tomorrow night, he'll be here. And then uh, Tuesday and Wednesday night, we'll have services as well. Looking forward to some wonderful time together as we hear from God's Word today. I'm glad we can meet this morning. You know, we had some rain sent this week, and uh, some of you had water in your house this week. And uh, I know we had a little bit of water just starting to come in the fellowship hall. It was coming down so fast. And God protected us. We're still here. And a little rain. I'm thankful. Rainbows tell us the flood, uh, the earthwide flood's not going to come again. And God is taking care of us. And I'm thankful we got a place to meet this morning and be able to worship Him together. I know there are many burdens we're carrying. Some of you have lost belongings this week because of water. I know there's physical pain, there's spiritual pain, there's emotional pain, but I'm thankful we can go to the great physician this morning, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can hear from his word, we can worship him together in his presence, and I hope that your heart will be turned towards Jesus today and be encouraged by the truth and by the love that you'll experience today here at our church. Let's begin in a word of prayer here, and uh, then we'll sing another song or so. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for blue skies. Lord, we know that the rain comes, and it's your plan, and it waters the earth, and we're thankful for it. And Lord, uh, sometimes we look at it and say, but this is too much. We don't need this. But Lord, we trust you. You give us exactly what we need. You take care of all of our needs. And God, we thank you for providing for us. Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And we can even meet together on a Sunday because Jesus is alive because he rose from the dead. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word this morning. Lord, we can worship you freely. and Your word can go forth. And we know that you've said that it will not return void. Pray that you'd work in our hearts this morning. Challenge us with your truth and help us to live faithfully for you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Again, it's so good that you're here with us this morning, and uh, I'm so glad, Brother Larry, I'm glad you could be here today. He had a foot and a half of water in his house this week, and uh, but thankful that he has insurance, and so now he's got to go through that hassle, but uh, anyway, be praying for him as he gets that taken care of. Others had some water in their house as well, I know, and uh, some cleanup and things, but um, glad you could be here today, brother. And I hope that the service will be an encouragement, a blessing to you today, and looking forward to what the Lord has for us. Well, Brother Clayton, I wrote something. I was thinking this week how I could introduce you. I feel like I've told all kinds of stories and people have heard it. But uh, let, let me see if I can find this. Okay, here we go. I had to write it down because I didn't know if I could remember it otherwise. <clears throat> Somebody asked me how I would describe Brother Clayton. I would say, he's fun, but he's not funny. He has a light touch, but he's not a lightweight. He always shows up and shows out, but he doesn't show off. And he loves to dress up, but I sure am thankful that he's not stuck up. So <laughs> I'm glad that you're here today. And uh, in just a moment, we're going to dismiss our boys and girls out to junior church. 
But I'm glad that you're here today to preach to us from God's Word. And you've been such a blessing to me in my life and encouraged me. And just your faithfulness and uh, your vision to, to serve the Lord. When he came and saw this building for the first time, he said, I wish I was 10 years younger. Put me in some overalls and give me a paintbrush and I'm ready to go to work. And uh, he's helped me a lot, taught me many things over the years by his example and through his work. And Mrs. Clayton's been right by his side. I'm thankful to have a wife that's right by my side, too. And I'm very thankful for her. And uh, they've just been such a blessing to our family. When we moved to Greenwood Village, it's been 10 years ago this month. And uh, so we've known each other a decade now, which seems like a long time for me. Maybe not a long time for you, but that's a long time in my life. And uh, we've just enjoyed every minute of it. You've been such a blessing to us. And so I'm so glad that you're here today. We'll go ahead and dismiss our children out to Junior Church. And boys and girls, you'll get to be in the afternoon service and hear him preach then. So you get to hear him once and hear Brother Josh once today. And uh, Brother Clayton, why don't you come preach to us this morning? And uh, we'll look forward to hearing from God's Word today. Well, we're mighty proud to be here on this Lord's Day at the Arise Baptist Church and to be with your wonderful pastor, Brother Will Culver and his family. I'll tell you what, if there's anybody I'm so proud of, it's Brother Culver. He's done a wonderful work here, and uh, we pray for him every day and thank God for him and his family. And I'm glad to see Brother Mark Cover and his wife. We, we, we got to be friends a good while ago, too, and they've been such a blessing to us. And uh, we thank God for their friendship, sure do. And glad to see Brother Vento here today. Raise your hand, Brother Vento. I'm see who you are right there. He's a member of Greenwood Village Baptist Church. And he just wrote a wonderful book on the day that Christ was born. And he sent it to me last week, and I sat down and I, re I read every word of it. It's a wonderful book. Brother Vento's... Uh, a wonderful Bible student. You ought to get this book. You'd, you'd really be blessed if you got this book. I want to give this to Brother Cover. I'm going to leave it here on the pulpit for him. Amen. Well, Y'all really do respond. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 26. And I want to read verses 19 through 23. Or maybe a few more than that. Acts chapter 26, beginning with verse 19. I love this passage of Scripture. It means a lot to me. Verse 19 says, Paul said, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. And verse 22 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It means a lot to me. Paul said, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great 
saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. In that great chapter, underline verse 22. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both the small and great, saying none of the things in those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. There's one word found in this verse which gives us our message this morning, and that's the word witnessing. Underline that word, witnessing. If you take a Bible concordance and look up the word witness, or witnessing, or witnessed, as found in the book of Acts, you'll find that it's found no less than 33 times. 33 times. It's found first of all in Acts 1 verse 8 and the last time in Acts 26 verse 22. Acts 1 verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. In Acts 1 and 8, where the word witnesses is found, you find the glorious promise of His power. And in Acts 26, verse 22, you find the most perfect example of the performance of that power. And this earth has never known a greater witness to the saving grace and help and power of our Lord Jesus Christ than the Apostle Paul. The last thing Jesus did before He left this world was to promise power to the people of God to witness for His glory. Luke 24, verse 49. I think that witnessing is the secret of success for the church. You cannot possibly explain the blessings of God and the many souls that have been saved and the many prayers that have been answered in the great churches of our day other than through the fact that they're witnessing churches. Amen. Amen. And remember the churches in the book of Acts had no lovely buildings. They never heard of a public address system. They never had any Sunday school literature. And yet they were the greatest churches the world has ever known. Why? Because 33 times the Holy Spirit of God in 28 chapters tells us that these churches were witnessing churches. Amen. And notice what even the enemies of the church of Jerusalem and the cause of Christ had to say about these early witnesses in Acts 5 verse 28. Did not we, constant, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in His name? 
And behold, you fill Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Yes, even their most severe critics had to acknowledge that they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. Some Bible students have estimated that in the first 12 months of this early church, 30,000 people were saved. 30,000 people in 12 months. It had a tremendous outreach. 120 in the upper room, Acts 1.15. 3,000 on Pentecost, Acts 2.41. 5,000 men beside women and young people, Acts 4, verse 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men were about 5,000. 5,000 men. Multitude of believers. Acts 4, verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and soul. Neither said any of them that all the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Multitudes of believers. Acts 5, 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes of men and women. All witnessing is of first importance. And when a church loses its power to witness, it's lost its power to win and cease to be a Bible church or a New Testament church. Many people are workers, but few are witnesses. Many people are, lit are leaders, but few are witnesses. And many, many people are Christians, but few are witnesses. We find all the characteristics of the kind of witness God have us to be embodied in the Apostle Paul. Paul was driven. He was motivated. He was dominated. He was saturated with the power of the Holy Ghost to take the Word of God to every soul for whom Jesus died. And if you're to be a powerful and a fruitful witness I believe there are seven characteristics that are set forth in the Scriptures that have to be found in you. I want to give you seven marks of a witness. Now that's my introduction. Every message has to have an introduction before you get to the first big point. And that brings me to the first big point. I'm going to give you seven marks of a witness. You ready? First of all, a witness, a true witness is one who witnesses. You cannot be a witness without witnessing. The expression, saying none other things, Acts 26, 22, saying none other things, that seems to leap out at me as I read that verse. Paul had something to say about Jesus. He was the right kind of witness. Psalm 107, verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. If Christian people spend as much time talking about Jesus as they spend talking about other Christians, long before now we would want thousands to Christ with whom we've let go to hell because we didn't witness. Saying, saying, saying. Paul said, Paul had something to say. Proverbs 14.25 says, A true witness delivereth souls. A true born-again witness is delivering somebody. One of the marks and characteristics of a witness is that he witnesses. One time I was visiting in the home of a man who said to me, Well, sure, I'm a Christian. Sure, I believe in talking about Jesus at the right time and the right place. But I don't believe in having quite as much to say about it as you seem to. And the first thought that came to me was, if I had the kind of religion he had, I wouldn't talk about it either. Right. Amen. And then I thought, where is the wrong time? Where is the wrong place to mention the name of Jesus? Anytime, anywhere, it's proper to witness for Jesus. 
I had a distant kin by marriage, old man Cheney. And I had him figure my income tax a number of years. And uh, I went over to have my income tax figured and, and he had a little office there in his house. And, and behind where he was sitting behind the desk, there was a great big picture of the Grand Canyon. And every time I went over there for him to, to, to figure my income tax, he would say, he'd point to that picture and say, many, many years ago, thousands of years ago, that was just a little stream. And it just kept on running and running, and now we have what we call the Grand Canyon. And he'd tell me that over and over. And... Uh, and then not long after that, I went to the post office on Lewell Street and coming out the front door was old man Cheney. And I said hi and everything. And again, he started telling me about the Grand Canyon. Years and years ago, he said, just a little stream. And it just kept on running and finally we have what now we call the Grand Canyon. And he told me that many times, and so I, I said to myself, well, I think I'm going to tell him about Jesus now. <laughs> and I said, Mr. Cheney, I want to tell you about Jesus. He stopped me, and he jumped up and down, and he said, don't you ever mention that name in my presence. There never was a Jesus, and never will be a Jesus. Don't you ever mention that name in my presence. I'll turn, I'll just walk away from you. And I said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> and he turned and walked away. But old man Cheney's in hell today because he didn't believe in Jesus. But I thought that was a good place to talk about Jesus at the post office on Lewell Street. Amen. Amen. It's always proper. A true witness is one who witnesses. Second big point. A true witness is one who witnesses everywhere. Christianity today has become churchified Christianity. That's a great curse. People are Christians in the house of God. People witness in the house of God. They're Christians on the Lord's day. Did you ever notice in the book of Acts where the early Christians witnessed? I marked a few of them. Paul and Barnabas witnessed in the synagogue, which didn't even belong to them, wasn't even made up of their crowd. It was made up largely of Jews who didn't believe in Jesus. Nevertheless, they went to those in the synagogue with the gospel. Acts 14.1, it came to pass in Iconum, they went together, they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. And then we read in Acts 16, 13, on the Sabbath, they went out of the city down by a riverside. Isn't that a humble place? Paul and Silas went down there because prayer was wont to be made and there by the riverside a woman was saved and a church was born. In Acts 16.25 we learn that Paul and Silas witnessed in prison. And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. They could put Paul in jail but they couldn't seal his lips. At midnight from his born-again, spirit-filled soul, there floated a melodious song out of the darkness and stillness of his persecution. In Acts 17, 17, we learn that Paul witnessed at the marketplace. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Paul went to the marketplace in Athens. 
And there he disputed daily concerning things of Jesus Christ everywhere, synagogue, riverside, in jail, at the marketplace, Paul witnessed. In Acts 20, we see Paul going from house to house. Acts 20, verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul was a busy preacher. The Bible tells us in Acts 20, 31, that by the space of three years, Paul ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And when a Christian gets too busy to be a witness, then he's too busy to have the hand and the power of God on his life. I've heard people talk about the Scriptures. How much you know about the Scriptures is not worth a snap of your finger if you're not using it and putting it in practice trying to win somebody to Jesus. I've heard people talk about their separation. Never win one soul to Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that everywhere, all the time, you and I are to be witnesses for Jesus. In Acts 28, we find Paul in a hired house. He not only witnessed from house to house, but he did it in a particular house. Acts 28, 30 and 31, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching those things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ, with confidence no man forbidding him, there as a prisoner, with ball and chain on him, he cried to God, and to God sent a parade of soldiers to him and other visitors to whom he witnessed. He never shut up. He never quit speaking down by the riverside in prison in everybody's house, in his own house, in the synagogue, in the marketplace, all the time, everywhere, in every way. Paul was a witness. And that's what God expects of you and me. And according to Philippians 1, verse 12 and 13, he even witnessed in the king's palace. Philippians 1, 12, 13, But I would you should understand, brethren, things which happened unto me fall not rather to the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. He considered even the persecution and sufferings of his life an occasion from God for the purpose of witnessing. We're to be a witness everywhere. I never shall forget Brother Avery Rogers. I nicknamed him the War Horse of Victoria, Texas. I had him come 25 straight years to Greenwood Village. What a preacher! Just ring the bell and that old man trot out there and preach the Word of God. Boy, he'd give you something from heaven. What a preacher. I had him for a revival one time and on Sunday night he, when he got up to preach, the front door opened and in the front door walked a, a red-headed man. I mean, beautiful red hair. I said to myself, I bet you they call him Red. <laughs> he came in and his wife was with him, had on fur coat, diamond rings. And they sat down about five rows from the front. And Brother Rogers really preached that night, gave the invitation. Several came to the altar. I was kneeling with folks, praying with them. While I was praying with some folks, Red Pruitt got up and came and knelt in the altar. And before I could get to him, he went back to his seat. And he filled out a visitor's card. And would you consider becoming a member of this church? On the bottom, he put yes. And I told Brother Rogers on Monday, I said, maybe we ought to go by and visit, visit these folk and see if we can be of any help to them. And, and uh, he said, let's do. And they gave an address on Little York Street. 
I wondered where that could be because not many houses on Little Yard Street, mainly places of business. And so we was driving down Little York Street and I had the visitor's card and saw the address and everything and lo and behold, the address on the visitor's card was same as the address of the Empire Nightclub. I said, Brother Rogers, look at this. I said, the address on this card, same as the Empire Nightclub. I said, what do you think we ought to do? And Brother Rogers said, <clears throat> they visited us, didn't they? <laughs> I took it by that, we are going to visit them. So I pulled in the parking lot of the Empire Nightclub. Bright, sunshiny day. I got, when I got out of the car, the old devil showed up and said, uh-huh. The moment you and Saintly Avery Rogers walk through the front door of that Empire Nightclub, some of your members are going to pass by and see you all and tell everybody. <laughs> I walked up to the front door of the Empire Nightclub and I opened the door and I took one step in. I couldn't see a thing. <laughs> Did you know it's dark in those places? Brother Rogers kind of shoved me. I said, hold it, Brother Rogers. I can't see my hand in front of my fab. We've got to stand here till our eyes get adjusted and kind of see, see where we're going here. And I stood there a few moments. My eyes started getting adjusted, and I saw the counter, and behind the counter stood Red Pruitt. Man, he came out from around that counter and got us by the hand and took us over to a little table there kind of out of one side there took us that little table. We sat down there and he said, you preachers want anything to drink? <laughs> he was talking about coffee, you know. <laughs> oh, he said no. And Brother Rogers, man, he got his New Testament out immediately and, and started giving him the plan of salvation. Went down that Roman road. And I, I was praying for him while he was talking to him. And when he got through going down the Roman road, giving the plan of salvation, he said, Mr. Pruitt, you want to be saved now? You want to be saved now? Mr. Pruitt said, no. But I'll tell you what. He said, I promise you two preachers that me and my wife would be in the service tonight. And somehow or another, I believed him. I've had Baptist folk tell me that and never show up. <laughs> but Mr. Pruitt said, I promise you two preachers, me and my wife would be in the service tonight. That night, Brother Rogers got up to preach, front door opened again, and in stepped Red Pruitt and his wife came sit down about five rows back. And Brother Rogers, I'll tell you, he preached like a house on fire. You always preach better when you have somebody to preach to. Amen. You just haul in every old sinner you can find. Brother Culver would preach himself to death. Yeah, he would. You always preach better when you got somebody to preach to. Somebody gave me this. This handkerchief says, hold my mule while I shout. Somebody gave me that a couple of weeks ago. I've been carrying it in my Bible here. Hold my mule while I shout. Oh, Brother Rogers preached like a house on fire. When he got through preaching, had everybody stand, gave the invitation. Old Red Pruitt stepped out in the aisle. I wasn't going to miss him that night. I met him right at the head of the aisle there when he came down to the front. And I said, Red, you won't be saved tonight. Big old tear ran down his cheek. He said, I believe I do. I said, let's go and kneel right here and we'll pray and you can ask the Lord to come into your heart. And we prayed and he asked Jesus to save him. And after we got through praying, I heard a noise. I looked up and Miss Pruitt got up. Man, she almost ran down the aisle. 
fell in the aisle next to, fell in the altar there next to Red. I said, Miss Pruitt, you want to be saved too? She said, if Red got saved, I want to get saved too. I said, all right, let's pray. We prayed and Miss Pruitt gave her heart to Jesus. And guess what? I baptized him the next week. And two weeks later, I guess I'm going to tell you what happened. He marched down to the Empire Nightclub on Little York Street. Had a big old key. And he put a lock on the front door and locked it up. And it's never been opened since. I'll tell you something. It pays to witness everywhere. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> hold my, hold my mule while I shout. Amen. You still with me? Bring me to my third big point. A true witness never quits witnessing. Notice in Acts 26-22, Paul said, I continue. Underline that, I continue. It's equivalent to saying, I'll never, never give up. Witnessing is well-doing, and we're told never to discontinue well-doing. Galatians 6-9, And let us, be, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. William Carey, the great missionary, went to India. He preached and he prayed and lived for God and he witnessed for seven long years without one single convert. Seven years. He said, I'll never give up until God gives me some souls of these Indian people. And he did give him some souls. I wonder if we love Jesus enough to never give up. I think of David in the Old Testament when he was so hated they, they wanted to stone him. And in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. He never would give up. God give us Christians who will never be weary in well-doing, who will keep on keeping on until God gives us the victory. I know Christians to be cursed and banished from homes. But thank God I've seen many continue until the victory came and loved ones were saved. Paul said, I continue. Prisons, mobs, shipwrecks, floggings, disloyalty of friends, nor any other two could ever make him quit. He just kept on and on for Jesus. I continue. Never will forget one time I was visiting my first cousin, Barbara Wooten. My first cousin. And they had a little afflicted baby that was born that way. I don't know what all was wrong with that baby. But I went to the hospital to see Barbara. And I walked in the room and that little baby was just crying and she was sitting in a chair next to the bed and was holding that little baby and it's just crying. And I wanted to witness to Barbara about being saved. I, I didn't think she was saved. I, I wanted to talk to her about it. But that little baby was just crying. And I, and I said, well, I probably can't, can't do much here with that baby crying like that. And I started to leave the room but the Holy Spirit touched my heart and said, don't you go without talking to Barbara about being saved. And I turned around and I said, Barbara, are you a Christian? Would you like to be saved? And she busted out crying. She said, oh yes, I do want to be saved. And when that little baby holding that little afflicted baby and while it was crying, Barbara just prayed and cried and gave her heart to Jesus. 
That sure taught me a lesson. It taught me a big lesson. God can overcome a little crying baby and somebody can be saved. Yes, they can. Amen. Fourth big point. A true witness sticks to the Word of God. Look again at Acts 26-22. Paul says, witnessing both to small and great. Notice what it says. Saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. The prophets and Moses were Paul's Bible. And he said, I witness none other things than the Bible. Paul knew the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible. It was inspired Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is given by inspiration of God's profitable doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. He knew that it was written by the Holy Spirit and that it must be declared. Acts 20.27 Paul said, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. What difference does it make what you believe? What difference does it make what a church believes if we don't make it known? Amen. My friends, if God's holy book could grip our hearts today and set us on fire, this community would know it. They would know it. God pity the church that ceases to reach people for Jesus. And notice what the Word of God will do. It will convert. 1 Peter 1.23 Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It will cleanse. John 15.3 Now you're clean through the Word which I've spoken unto you. It'll keep from sin. Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It'll encourage growth. 1 Peter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. It will encourage faith. Romans 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. No wonder Paul used None of the things except the glorious truths of the Word of God. That's what he used. Fifth big point. A true witness always exalts Jesus. Look at Acts 26-23. That Christ should suffer. That He should be the first that should rise from the dead. And that should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Three important things in this verse are suffer, rise, show. Thank God Jesus showed. The same Jesus lives today and since Jesus lives, I'm never going to hang my head and admit defeat. Never, no, never. A true witness exalts Jesus, not self. If I'd been working for self, I would have quit a long time ago. There's not enough money in Texas or the United States to give me the care of the load that I carry 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 52 weeks in a year just for people, but I'd gladly do it for Jesus. I'm not a hired man. I'm a called man. God called me. The Greek said, Sir, we would see Jesus. John 12, verse 21. And this old lost world this morning needs to see Jesus. All oh, the good soul winner always exalts Jesus. One day my, my wife was at the kitchen sink when we lived on Marcia Street. And she saw a car coming down the road there and had two men in it and a little baby. And they had stopped at a house and one man would stay in the car with the little baby, and the other man would get out and go to the front door and talk a while, and they'd come back. They'd go to the next house, then that man would stay with the little baby, and the other man would get out and go to the front door. 
And they was working their way down the street in a hot summer day, 100 degrees. And when they got to our house, you know what they were? Jehovah Witnesses. I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if I saw a couple of our Baptist men with a little baby going down the street, going from house to house and knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But no, it was two Jehovah's Witnesses that were doing it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Six big points. I'm giving you the marks of a witness. A true witness, I like this one, the true witness has the help of God. Paul said, having therefore obtained help of God. You see that? Help of God, I continue. That's what Zechariah spoke of when he said in Zechariah 4 verse 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts. That's what Acts 9.17 speaks of when it tells us that the Apostle Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost. You cannot, God cannot fill us until we're empty of self and sin. May God give us this more and great Holy Ghost power for effective witnessing. Oh, I, can't, I, I could be here the rest of the day telling you how God has helped me, how He's helped me in this matter of witnessing. I was in Dayton, Ohio in a revival meeting and uh, there was a gypsy, gypsy couple, a member of that church. And after the service, he came up to me and said, my brother just had, just had heart surgery. He's in the hospital and he's lost. And he said, would you go with me tomorrow and try to win him to Jesus? I said, if, it, if the pastor says it's okay, I'll do it. And the pastor said, well, sure. I went with him to the hospital, walked in that room. Man had been operated on, heart surgery, had his wife sitting next to the bed. And we talked about this and that. I was trying to get up enough courage to talk to him about Jesus. Have you ever done that? And I, I quietly prayed. I said, Lord, help me. Help me. And the Lord helped me. And I said, Sir, I wanted to ask you, are you a Christian? Have you ever, been, have you ever accepted Christ as your Savior? And he said, no, I haven't. I said, would you like for me to tell you about how you can be saved and, and accept Him as your Savior? And he said, I, I wish you would. And I told him how to be saved. And I said, now I'll tell you what. Let me help you pray. And you can mean this prayer right from your heart. And you can ask Jesus to save you right now. And I said, just pray out loud, dear Lord Jesus. And he said, dear Lord Jesus. But wait a minute. I heard somebody else praying. I heard his wife praying. She was praying too. And I helped, helped them pray, and they both prayed. And they both gave their heart to Jesus. And I looked at the foot of the bed where his brother was standing. I thought he was going to rise on up into heaven. He was so thrilled. He just weeping out loud. They was all crying. I cried too. He was wonderfully saved. His wife was saved. But wait a minute. That night, I walked in the service for the service at that church and I looked out and the center section was full of gypsies. Word spread like wildfire. They got saved. And the gypsies came, filled up the center section. I said, Lord. And the Lord said, you're going to change your message tonight. 
I said, okay. Just, God said, just preach on the simple plan of salvation. Tell them all how to be saved. And I preached on the simple plan of salvation and gave the invitation. I couldn't believe it. That entire center section stood up. And they all came to the front. I, I don't know. I know a bunch of them got saved that night. All because God helped me. He helped me. And those gypsies all got saved. Hallelujah. What a service that night. Revival broke out in that church. Hallelujah. And as many a time I've prayed, God, please help me. I can't take another step without you. You got, you got to help me. And he's helped me. He's, that's why I love this verse. Having therefore obtained help of God. Help of God. I continue. And I've been doing it now for 64 years. He's been helping me for 64 years. And my wife's helped me too. God's helped me through her. We've just been married 69 years. That's all. <laughs> 69 years. <laughs> I tell you. I got up this morning, we got in the car, and I said to my wife, I said, well, honey, we're going again. We're going, to, going again to preach the Word of God. I pray that God will help me. I need His help. Some people say, well, you've been preaching so long, you can just get up and you can, you can just do it, can't you? No, I can't. I need God's help. Every time I get up, I need His help. I need God's help. I'm nothing without Him. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, he's, he's helped us a whole lot. In a couple of weeks, I'd be going back to Temple They want me to come every year. I don't know why. I go up there and what a blessing. So many wonderful friends. And then get to preach at the college. I don't know. I don't know how all that's happened. It's just God's helped me. He's helped me. That's, that's the only way I know how to explain it. He's helped me. He's helped me. Okay, I'm now I'm at the seventh big point. As this is this is the last one, and they all said, <laughs> "Okay, true witness witnesses to everybody." Notice Paul said that he witnessed to the small and great. Acts 26, 22, underline that. He witnessed to the small and great. I know churches that claim to be called just to win the elite, the mink stole crowd. That's contrary to very, the very essence of Bible Christianity. Jesus loved the woman at the well as much as he loved rich Nicodemus. People on the other side of the tracks need to be saved too. We must give place to the poor and, and the rich. That's why I like the bus ministry. One time we had 15 buses. We, we sent them to everywhere, the poor places, 
down Marcia Street and all those streets where a lot of poor people lived. No telling how many of those boys and girls were saved through the bus ministry. We covered at one time the north side of Houston. And on Sunday morning, one Sunday, I had a preacher call me and he said, you are a sheep stealer. <laughs> Just because I sent a bus down in front of his church and tried to pick people up to come to Sunday. He called me a sheep stealer. <laughs> and whenever I was in Greenwood Village, he was the first one to call me, come hold a revival for him. I said, okay. An old sheep stealer went right over and held a revival. <laughs> Dean Miller, pastor, Colorado Springs Baptist Church. Me and J. Harold Smith went, went there and preached for him a couple times when he was just in a storefront. And uh, he was looking for some land to build a permanent place for his church. And uh, he was reading the paper one day and saw one of the richest men in Colorado Springs had a bad car wreck and was in the hospital. And the Holy Spirit said, you go visit him and see if he's saved. And Brother Miller went to the hospital and went in that room where that man was. And, and sure enough, he was not saved. And Dean Miller won him to Christ, one of the richest men in Colorado Springs. A couple months later, on Sunday morning, the front door opened and that man walked in the front door, the richest man in Colorado Springs. Sat there during the service. After the altar call, he went down to the front and he had in his hand a deed for some of the best property in Colorado Springs and gave it to that church to build their new church home. Isn't that something? Well, I tell you, it pays to, pays to obey the Holy Spirit. You never know what God might be trying to do. Dr. Lee Robson's in heaven now. Longtime pastor of Highland Park in Chattanooga. In the 60s and 70s, they were running 10,000 in Sunday school. They had a mega church before a mega church came into being. And I had him come to preach for us. And I had him on Sunday. Preacher said, well, how'd you get him on Sunday? He never leaves his church on Sunday. how you get him on Sunday? Oh, I said I was up there visiting and uh, on vacation, and me and, and, me and my wife, and he, we went to his office and was talking to him, and he said uh, the following summer he was going to be in Texas on, uh, 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 on vacation. I said, well, well, Dr. Robson, would you preach for me while you're on vacation? He said, I sure will. You see, a lot of times you have not because you ask not. And Dr. Robson came and preached on Sunday morning. Oh, what a service. And during the invitation, he walked off the platform and he went out into the foyer. We had a foyer where he had a plate glass window. You could see out in the foyer from the auditorium. He walked out in the forest and Delbert was standing there, one of, the, one of the boys of the neighborhood, old Delbert, he was always hanging around, barefooted. And Dr. Robinson went out there in the forest and put his arm around Delbert and brought him down to the front and witnessed to him and Delbert was saved. The, the great preacher, Dr. Lee Robinson, He saw that he needed to be saved and he went right after him, put his arm around him, brought him to Jesus. Ah, 
That was such a wonderful service. And Delbert was really hanging around then all the time. Took him to Beulah Land. Every time we went to Beulah Land, Delbert went to. Was wonderfully saved. And I was driving down Foy Lane one day and and the Lord said, just pull over here now and park your car and get out and knock on a few doors on, on Mohawk Street right here. I said, Lord, you know how bashful I am. I don't care. You should pull over and get out of this car and go knock on some doors. You preach about it. Now you go knock on some doors. I said, okay. I knocked on a few doors and finally I came to a door and I knocked on it. Front door opened. It was Miss Martin, Bub Martin's mother. I told her who I was and I was just knocking on some doors, trying to meet some people. And she said, would you come on in? I want you to meet my son. And I walked in the house and, and there Bub was in a wheelchair. He had palsy. And he had it from birth. Really has it, had it bad. And we talked a little bit and I said, Bub, Have you ever been saved, Bub? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? And he said, no, no. I said, Bub, would you like to be saved? Yeah. And I told Bub how to be saved and the best he could pray. Sitting in that wheelchair, he gave his heart to Jesus. Miss Martin just cried. The following Sunday, had him at the church, and in the wheelchair, he came to the front, and I told the church he got saved, wanted to join the church, wanted to be baptized. And we, I went up in the baptistry, had several deacons up there to help me uh, to hold. Bub and, and to baptize him. There was th several of us there in the baptistry and we held him and, and, and I baptized Bub. Oh, what a wonderful day that was in our church when Bub Martin got baptized. And they moved off and I lost track of him and I was holding a meeting uh, in uh, East Texas. And I mentioned Bub Martin after the service. A lady came up and said, Bub Martin lived in this town. Said he's in heaven now. But what a Christian Bub Martin was, he said. Everybody knew Bub Martin. And I'm so glad somebody came and told me about him, that he was in heaven and kept his testimony all, all those years. Amen. It sure does pay to do what God tells you to do. Sure does. You know what? Before we go eat here in a minute, I'm going to ask you to do something. You know, it's just... Uh, a little over two months left in this year. Just two months. Boy, it's going by in a hurry. I'm going to ask you to do something. In the next two months, before the first of the year, I'm going to ask you to try to win somebody to Jesus. Let the Lord lead you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And you'll be available to the Holy Spirit if He'll lead you to talk to somebody and try to win them to Jesus in the next two months. I'm going to ask you, 
I'm going to ask you to commit to do that today. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to try to win somebody else to Jesus. Let's stand together with our heads bowed. And we're going to have an invitation hymn. Let me pray first. Lord Jesus, thank You for these wonderful verses that tells us about Paul, how how he had the marks of a witness, a a true witness. And Lord, speak to every heart here this morning and help us to be a witness too and try to win somebody to Jesus before this year's up, just two more months. And Lord, just like Paul said he had the help of God, Lord, give us your help. Help us. Help us to win somebody to Jesus before this year's up. Help us to be a blessing like that to somebody. And we'll thank you, Lord, for the help. We're nothing without you, how we need your help. Bless everyone here this morning, Lord, that's been saved and help us to be a witness for Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. I'm going to ask the pastor to come stand here at the front. And and whenever we have the invitation hymn, I'm going to ask you just to come and take him by the hand and say, Preacher, God helping me I'm going to try to win somebody in the next two months. God helping me. Maybe I have some friends or relatives, somebody in the family. I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to win them to Jesus. God helping me. I'm going to make that commitment. And I, want, I want you to know I'm making that commitment. Take the pastor by the hand, and then you can go back to your seat. As our pianist plays, come right now. And say, Preacher, I'm going to do that with God's help. Amen. Yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. That's it. Amen.